Good morning. My name is Dee. I'm one of the pastors here. I have the privilege of uh, taking us into God's Word in some particular ways this morning. So if by chance you've come this morning, you didn't bring a Bible along with you, but you would like to follow along in the Scripture, just raise your hand and our ushers have some Bibles that they can pass out if you would like to receive that this morning. Um, if you don't have one at home, please let that be our gift to you. If you do have one at home, just leave it on the uh, chair and we will use it again next week. So nice to be with you this morning. The uh, passage that was read came out of Ephesians. Ephesians, this book written, we think, by Paul um, to express to the church some of the powerful truths of their faith. So the inheritance that the church has, who they are both collectively as a group and as individuals, the price that God has paid for their journey, and the riches of what God has offered to them. We had, uh, have talked uh, about leading up to these first three months of the calendar year, January, February, and March, then into April, we're into uh, the Lenten season and Easter, that we're going to look at during this time span some of the disciplines of the faith. The first of those disciplines during the month of January We're looking at prayer, and I hope that we will explore prayer in a fresh way to you, um, a way that might challenge you in some new ways or spur you on in some things that you've already been doing. In February, we're going to look at the discipline of fasting and try and look at Scripture through that lens. When we get into March, not only does that begin the Lenten season, but we're going to look at giving and sacrificial living as part of that month's emphasis and then look toward the celebration together of Easter and uh, the resurrection of our Lord in April. So we've got some wonderful months ahead. When we talk about the disciplines of the faith, for me it begins with who we are in Christ. Um, I loved a confessional statement uh, that one of my daughters offered. And with permission, I share this. I'm a human and I'm a follower of Christ. I feel that God has called me to a higher form of living. Therefore, I am choosing to devote my life to glorifying God to the best of my ability. But I am human. And therefore, I'll fall. I'll stumble. I don't stand tall in my Christian label, but instead in the offer that my God has given me, the promise of forgiveness, redemption, and sanctification. Well, when we try and live into that promise, that promise that God has given to us and then our commitment to live into that calling, God has given us tools by which we can accomplish that. One of those tools is prayer. And I'd like this morning, I hope, to possibly propose to you, provide for you, a different way by which to look at prayer. Some of the concepts you've heard before, but I want to tie it in specifically as a setup for this month and as an outplay of what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. The very closing verse that was read said, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. But then we cut it short because what follows is what Paul's prayer is for the people at Ephesus. And he says this, I keep asking that 
the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know God better. This notion of knowing God better leads me to what I believe is a fundamental aspect of how we have been created. I am convinced that we have been created with this desire for intimacy, this desire for interaction with others where not only are we known, but we know. Not only are we seen, but we see. Not only are we heard, but we hear. I think Scripture speaks to it over and over again. I have been surprised as I've been on this journey to see it verse after verse and situation after situation where Scripture calls us into this place where we will actually hear and be heard. Deuteronomy says, Has not God created you with ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to perceive or to feel? The prophet Isaiah challenges God's people in some ways identifying their problem by saying they have eyes that don't see, ears that don't hear, and a heart that's callous, a heart that doesn't feel. I called up uh, day before yesterday the U.S. Post Office. I'd gone to their website because I needed help on some passport issues. And right on the website, it identifies the fact that the U.S. Post Office is a place where you can take care of some of these passport issues. And right on the website, it says, but you need an appointment. And right beneath the phrase, you need an appointment, is the phone number that you call. 1-800-something-something USPS, I think is what it is. So I dial that up, and I get one of the wonderful automated operators. Thank you for calling the United States Postal Service. Please let me know what it is that you're interested in doing. And so I respond, not quite sure how all of this voice recognition stuff works, but I respond by saying, I need a passport appointment. And I think I messed it up just like that. And the person said, I didn't understand that. Please repeat what your need is. So I shortened it and I said, passport appointment, trying to take all emotional inflections out of my voice. So she says, oh, passport. Um, Let me see if I can help you. Speak into the phone what you would like about passport. Would you like to know the hours that the office is open? Would you like to know how to receive the forms? Would you like to know a post office that's located near you? None of those. I didn't know how to respond, so I said none of those. I I knew that wasn't the response she wanted, and her response was, I'm sorry, I didn't understand that. Let's try again. Press 1, giving me kind of the stupid instructions for those who can't speak properly. Press 1 if you would like to know the hours of operation. Press 2 if you would like a form. Press 3 if you would like to know the post office nearest you. I didn't want any of those. 
So I pressed zero, hoping that would do something other than one, two, or three. I'm sorry, I don't understand that response. Let's start over. Ugh! I don't know what I pushed, but I finally got her to say, well, let me transfer you to a customer service representative. Yes. But before I do, let me make sure I understand what you're needing. So I said, passport appointment. And she says, oh, passport. Press one if you would like ours. It was a nightmare. I was longing for a person. I hung up. I have not made any contact with the post office. I'm going to go in and stand at a counter where nobody is behind because I've been there before and just wait for somebody to walk back from their lunch hour and nab them by the neck and say, I need to talk to a person. I know the automated things work, but it is not a relationship. It is not an intimate interaction. It's anything but that. If I had gotten a live person, I would have been willing to hear their problems. I would have been willing to listen to what they wanted and let them press any button they wanted to press. I just needed to talk to somebody. Sometimes those things work, but I'm telling you, I am convinced we are wired, wired for intimacy, interaction with one another, to not only be heard, but to hear someone else. Now, I know absolutely that all of us enter into that effort, that place in our life with baggage that sometimes throws off how we engage in relationship. Past experiences, times when we've been shamed, fears that we have, that all kind of stilt and undermine what it is we really desire. And so we move into relationships, sometimes with our lives out of balance, struggling to fulfill what's hardwired into us, but doing it in ways that never quite bring the satisfaction we desire. So we may have an individual, as you've heard me make reference to before, who who has this desire to be heard, desire to be seen, desire to be known, but expresses little of the other side of that formula, never listens, never looks, never is sensitive to somebody else's heart, never desires to know the other person. It's very self-centered behavior. It's very narcissistic behavior. Narcissists, the person out of Greek mythology that fell in love with his own reflection in the pond and just gazed at it all the time. So the great line that comes out of that is, okay, enough about me. Let's talk about you and what you think about me. (laughs) That's the narcissist response that lets that focus always come in one direction. It's not intimacy. It's striving for that but in a very out-of-balanced way. Well, the opposite can sometimes take place, where I've built up walls around myself, defense mechanisms. I have 
no desire to be hurt again, so I find myself focusing on the other person. I might see or hear the other individual or seek to know the other individual, but never let anyone get close to me. I guard myself tenaciously and never let anybody break through those barriers. There's a French word, voyeur, that speaks to that, that looking at someone else but never being seen yourself. Staying in secret yourself while looking at someone else, hearing someone else, knowing someone else. It's not intimacy. It's out of balance for probably many good reasons. But it leaves us with unfulfilled relationships. And it may be that we focus in on only one aspect of that intimate relationship without looking at the ways in which Scripture calls us to be fully engaged, to see, to hear, to feel, to know. What a frightening Scripture it is when Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 speaks about those who come in that day and say, well, Lord, we taught in your name, we preached in your name, we did some Crazy great miracles in your name. My paraphrase. And Jesus' response, I never knew you. Who are you? We can cover up lack of intimacy with a whole bunch of actions. A whole bunch of things that we've done. But having never participated in intimacy. And here's what I also think. God gives us this wonderful privilege of working this out with others. But in working this out with others, it's, it's a shadow or a, maybe not a rehearsal, but an exercise that leads us to that which casts the shadow, relationship with God, our creator. Intimacy with Christ. So we're talking this month about prayer. How many times our prayers are an exercise in speaking a lot to God? A desire that I be heard, but I don't hear. Where my prayer simply expresses my need to be seen, but never seen my Creator, my Lord, my Savior. God calls us over and over in Scripture to come and see. God, to know Christ, to hear the word, and to let that be a basis for intimate relationship. Or the flip side is true as well. If, if on that side it's all about me, and I simply want to be heard and seen, and my religion then really does become an opiate for the masses, <laughs> it really does become a collective crutch that we use to kind of limp along in our journey, 
pretending that we're doing wonderful religious things, it becomes a pacifier for us to satiate our own desires to be seen and heard. The flip side, though, is a religion that focuses in on learning a lot about God, but never living confessionally. Seeking to know more theology, studying cultural anthropology, trying to understand how groups of people move on this spiritual journey, reading one more book about what God does, but never confessionally saying, God, here I am. It is a faith that keeps us at a distance, insulated, never quite touched in the corners of our life that have been crippled by lack of use or by misuse. God's given us all of the tools that we need to satisfy this intimate craving within us. But our appendages... These tools have become limp because we've not used them. They've not served the purpose for which they were given. So for prayer, it is this opportunity to engage God in intimate relationship. This part I mentioned a couple weeks ago when we were in the Advent season talking about Christ with us, but Christ modeled for us what it means to live out this calling to intimacy. God came in human form so that God might experience, among many other things, but that God might experience what it's like to grow up in a carpenter's home. That God, through Christ, might experience what it's like to hear the cry of a mother who's lost her boy. What it's like to be thirsty at a well and have nothing to get water out of the well. What it's like to be tempted. What it's like to be in such anguish about the future that he would sweat great drops that look like blood coming off his brow. That God might experience in Christ what it's like to be abandoned by friends, to be betrayed. And if that's not enough, after Christ has resurrected and the Holy Spirit is sent not only to be with us, but to be in us, so that in us, God might see through your eyes and walk in your shoes And feel your heart and hear your words. That side of intimacy where God longs to know you has been played out on an eternal scale. But it's not just that. It's that God has likewise desired to be known. Unbelievably. So we talked a couple weeks ago about Emmanuel, God with us, so that we might be able to come and see the five little fingers of God, as the songwriter says. 
that we might catch a glimpse into God's heart, God's compassion, God's love. That we might, through God's word, this great testament that can be called the autobiography of God, to learn from the word how God has worked through history, that we might experience likewise that long history of God's characteristics. God revealing God's self because God desires to be known. You might confess, yeah, but I've I've never seen God, never heard God. Confess that in prayer. Be surprised at the ways in which God reveals God's self in amazing ways all around you. The ways in which God's voice all of a sudden is heard through the voice of a child or the crash of a wave or an instruction that comes through something you've read, a piece out of Scripture that just seems like it leaps up off the page. We're talking about prayer this month. It's, it's not a request that you start creating a long list of things for which to pray. Though if you do that, fantastic, and I hope I'm on your list. But it's a call to go past that and then listen to God's list. It's not a call to say, okay, identify two or three or four people this month for whom you're going to pray. Though if you do that, fantastic. And if you do that, I encourage you to do like Paul has done and write down what your prayer is for those people. Just write it out. Are you praying for them that they might have that same kind of knowledge of Christ that you've experienced or that you see Paul speaks about here? This arises out of Paul's own heart. Having met Christ on the road where he was blinded and then in intimate fellowship writes this letter and says, I long that you might know him. And the power that comes with being in that kind of intimate relationship. So if that's what you do, great, but I'm calling you to more than that. To stay in that place of prayer, whether it's kneeling, sitting, reading, walking, wherever it might be for you where you are saying, God, this is our time together. Let's go through that list that you provide in Scripture. What might it mean if you really saw me today? I mean, look, God, deep into those places that I've just held at a distance. I want you to see me today the great, the bad, the uncertain, the joy. And God, today, what would it be like if I actually saw you? Or is it possible, God, that I've already seen you and I didn't even know it? Did I miss it already this day? Okay, God, if you wouldn't mind, hear me. Let me just unload. Here it is. 
I'm going to do all my grumbling and griping to you so that it doesn't dominate the rest of my day. Here it is. And then at the end of that, is it possible you could say, okay, God, is there anything you need to unload? (laughs) Any gripes you have about me? Let's start there. Any ways in which I haven't or could or participate? Or have I already heard you today, God, and I just wasn't listening? God, I want you to know my heart. So here are the things today that are making me excited. Here are the things that are making me cry. Here are the things that I'm anticipating. Here are the things that I'm dreading. Here's where my heart is. Now, God, could you by chance help me to know what makes you cry? Or what I could do that would put a smile on your face today? What are the things that have captured your attention that have if my agenda became your agenda or really the other way around, your agenda became my agenda, how my day might change. God, I want to be known by you. And I want to know you. You were made for this. It may take some discipline. It may take some time. It may take exercising of muscles you haven't exercised in a long time. I'm telling you, you were made for this. And when you begin to engage in intimate relationship with your creator, all of a sudden, the relationships that are around you begin to take on different character. You see where you've been stilted, handicapped, held back, overemphasized in one area, you go, okay, God, help me to take the risk to step into this place. Help me, Lord, to move into places that I've been fearful of before or haven't worked out real well. Teach me in our relationship how to do this better. And when I stumble and mess up, help me in these mess ups to teach me how to do this much better. You and I were created for this. And prayer is the tool by which we begin to live this out. So my hope is, this month, as we journey together, that we risk stepping into these places of intimate relationship with God. I feel sometimes like I've said it too much, but I'm not sure I can. Lord, help us to have ears that hear, eyes that see, a heart that's not calloused but feels. Help us to know you and to be known by you. May it not be said of any of us, I never knew you. We're invited this morning to the table of grace. What a great place. What a great time to start fresh in a journey of intimate relationship. Milton, come and lead us.